The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Many are fascinated by Jesus for the miracles and healings he performed, and with good reason. But in this central passage of his teaching, he repeatedly likens all he brings to teach people. Not to hardy, full-grown plants, but to seeds. What is it in this growing cycle that he wants us to understand? Why is growth such a consistent theme in his teachings? Let's dig in and find out. All right, blessings to all. So good to be able to share this time together. Like I say with all of you, my friends, near and far, wherever you are, some of you joining us online right now for the very first time, and if that's you, I'm Pastor Terry Lee, pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. Our series, which we have been sitting with since we've opened up the year, is called The Faith Code. It's connected to a book that we wrote, The Faith Code. And today, in this teaching time, I wanna talk about the growth imperative. I want to talk about what it means to seize the opportunity for growth that the Lord has made possible for all of us. And so even now, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to you, speak to us, motivate us, stir us in Jesus' name. So this idea of growth, this idea of a growth imperative is built around a firm conviction that when we sign up to follow Jesus, and I know not all of us are there yet, but once we make that decision, some of us are really close, and I wanna encourage you to do it if you haven't done it already. Jump in, you'll never regret it. But once we've made a decision to follow Jesus, what we need to realize is we've also signed on for a life of growth. God doesn't want us to stay the same. I was reminded of what it says in 2 Peter 3.18, the apostle says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are all called to do this. You know, there are two sayings that I am fond of. <laughs> One of them, I remember hearing from a motivational teacher named John Maxwell, who's also an author. And he said this, he said, change is inevitable, growth is optional. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You know, what we're basically saying is this, life doesn't stay the same, does it? You know it, I know it, change happens. Our lives are not static, they, they, they roll on. <laughs> Life churns. The world is changing all the time, every day. Our bodies are changing as the years go by. I wish they did it, but they do. Uh, our health changes. Our relationships change. Our work changes. You know, everything is changing. It's inevitable. Other, other people's choices affect us, and that creates change dynamic. Things happen in life. 
sometimes things we have absolutely no control of. They can be good, they can be bad, but it's change. We can't, and I think we all know this, but we can't even, we, we, have, we have no idea what a year will bring. We have n- no idea what, what will happen in the days ahead. We have no idea how the future will unfold. There are just too many variables. You know, I look back on 2020 and I remember that at the opening of that year, there was no way could have envisioned the things that were ahead, not, not just for our nation in terms of the turmoil, but the pandemic that affected the entire globe. I mean, the crazy, you know, we can't predict the future. None of us can. You know, that's why Jesus reminded us in one of his great teachings, the parable of the rich fool, to be careful about presumption, right? Don't, don't, we shouldn't presume. And the, but even more in that teaching, he talked about misplaced priorities. He said, you know, you've acquired, because the, the, the rich man had said, who Jesus called a fool, you know, um, what shall I do? You know, I, every, my, my, all my assets are growing. My barns are full. I'll just build bigger ones. And, you know, and, and Jesus said, you know, fool, tonight your soul is required of thee and who shall these things be? You know, so, so is a man who is not rich towards God, right? The Lord reminds us to pay attention to the things that are most important. For what shall it profit a person, a man, if he gains the whole world and loses their own soul, right? I mean, how many times did Jesus have to say this? We need to put the accent on the right things. But listen, and again, my main point there, though, was about the reality of change and the unpredictability of the future. We don't control things. None of us do. But remember, change is inevitable, but how we choose to respond, you know, growth is optional. And um, yeah, so how we choose to respond to the change, in some cases, the change that we don't want is up to us. That's our decision. We do control that. There is a sense that all things, even bad things in life, do present us with growth opportunities. So change is inevitable, growth is optional. What are we gonna choose? Let's choose growth. And there's another saying, and in fact, my co-author Rusty, Rusty Roof, refers to it in the chapter, well, it's the fourth chapter in our book. He refers to another saying that I like to share a lot, which is basically this, if we are going to go through it, we might as well grow through it. If we're going to go through it, we might as well grow through it. And I mean, come on. The point is life changes constantly and seasonally with some warning and with none. Sometimes it gets really tough. Sometimes you know it can get hard. Sometimes it's because of things that are happening to us. Really tough. Other times it's and, and maybe it might be because of choices other people are making or other organizations are making, but sometimes it just has to do with choices we've made and the consequences of our own decisions and just the foolishness of our own ways. And, but, but it can get hard. Life can get hard. It can. But remember, if we're going to go through it, we might as well grow through it. And that means you and I are, are invited to be highly adaptive people who are committed to growth. And, 
Yeah, I see those two things as slightly different, the idea of highly adaptive and committed to growth. Stay with me because most change requires adaptation and acceptance. We can't fight it, remember. Here's another one. What we won't let be won't let us be, right? So there's some things I just can't fight it. What we won't be won't let us be. Like the more I try to hold on to it, the more I try to control it, the more I try to to make it conform to what I want it to be, the more frustrated I become. What I won't let be won't, you know, let me be. There is a truth to that. So there are times where we just need to be adaptive and accept the reality of our situation and ask God for grace. But adaptivity or adaptability or acceptance is a little bit different than leaning into growth. Because what we're talking about here when we, when, we get, when we get ourselves focusing in on the growth mindset, it has to do with attitude and learning. So it's more than just adapting and accepting. It's choosing to see whatever situation we find ourselves in as an opportunity. It's a choice we make to stay positive and open to new ways of being and honoring God. And it doesn't just happen easy. A lot of times it's a struggle. It's a wrestling match. And, and we, we're, we have moments of, of moving forward. We have move, moments where we go backwards. We're, this is not something you just you know turn the switch on and you get it all right. That doesn't work that way. But every season, and I want to make this point. I want us to be aware of this. I mean, every situation and seasonal Shift in life provides an opportunity for honoring God. I'll say that one more time. Every situation and seasonal shift in life provides an opportunity for honoring God, even the really tough ones. In fact, maybe it's the tough places where we have the greatest growth opportunity, but it's also the hardest. I, I do believe that. Many of you have heard about the Salvation Army, and uh, you know it's still active today. They help a lot of people, especially um, the poor. Probably known more now for a place where you can drop off clothing and goods, and also for you know soup kitchens and things like that, which is great. But the original uh, founding of the Salvation Army occurred because. Um, a man named William Booth and his wife, Catherine, felt completely led of the Lord to do something that would require them to be a pioneer, pioneers. They are actually legends of faith. You just, even if you just Google William Booth and his wife, Catherine, you'll be impressed by the type of commitment they had and to Christ and the love they had for people and the desire they had to see them reached uh, for Jesus. Remember, the name Salvation Army was selected because they, more than anything, they wanted people to be saved, to experience salvation, especially the poor and the lower middle class. But they were committed, and the Salvation Army was designed to be <laughs> an army of people committed to seeing others invited into the way of Christ. They were committed to witness, just like we are being in our church this year, committed to a year of witness. But William Booth, and how, I just want to talk about how he, he chose to, to grow 
to accept, adapt, and then implement growth. Watch this. Late in his life, William Booth had lost his eyesight. So his son, whose name was Bramwell, was given the dis difficult task of letting his father know that there would be no recovery. They had hoped that it might be temporary, but it wasn't to be the case. And, and so Booth said, uh, the father said, do you mean then that I am blind? And his son replied, I, 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 I hear we must uh, contemplate that. That was the language of their day, right? And his father continued, I shall never, Bramwell, see your face again? No, probably not in this world, my father. Bramwell said, William, I have done what I could for God and for his people with my eyes. Now I shall do what I can for God without my eyes. Wow. I mean, I have never uh, read or recited that that's account, that story, without being a little bit touched and inspired. There's so much there. I mean, a love between a father and a son, an aged warrior in the Lord, uh, showing us how it's done. You know, it wasn't just accepting. It was, I accept the reality of a situation that I do not want, but I'm also committing myself to honoring God in it. That's the growth imperative, right? The Bible is full of reminders um, that anyone who follows Christ, follows Christ is called to contend for growth. And we are all called to contend for growth in every season of our life, whether we're young, in our middle years, or even in our, our older age. There is never a time when we are not called to grow in some way as long as we are able. In fact, I want us to look at some scriptures, and uh, this is gonna be fun, and we're gonna draw some growth principles from them. So watch what the Bible has to say about you know, the growth imperative, about what it means to grow. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, we're told this, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. <laughs> he's, he's saying, look, you should have been growing better. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I mean, there's so much there for us, right? I mean, what the writer of Hebrews is reminding the believers of is that they, they should be further along. In this case, he was saying they should be, you should be further along than you are. You should be able to teach others. You're not putting in the time or the effort or the energy to really grow, right? This idea of training ourselves to distinguish good from evil. There is something about not living a life of of a follower of Jesus at a, at a surface level, but digging in and, and getting into his word and becoming a disciplined one. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that we all have this down. Uh, even the, 
you know, most mature among us, spiritually speaking, those of us who've walked this path for quite a while are capable of stumbling and falling back. We're never going to not need God's grace. I can say that for sure, 100%. I've lost ground and uh, when I should have been taking it. But there's a couple of principles here that I think that Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 does remind us of, and I want to submit them to you. One is that God does want us to advance, to progress as followers. That is his will for us, right? You, sh- you should be, your di- he's saying your diet should be different. Right now you can only take milk like a baby takes milk, but you should be able to <laughs> chew and digest real food. I mean, he was, he was reminding them of their need to progress. God wants us to be moving forward in our faith. He wants us to build our faith. And then the other thing that's there, and he ends that little statement by saying, you know, distinguish between good and evil. God, here's, here's another principle of growth. God does want us to be able to discern and distinguish between good and evil, between right and wrong, between truth and untruth. He does want us to be able to negotiate uh, the precepts of our culture and to be able to clarify what God's will is and what God's desire is in contrast maybe to what prevailing culture or the times expect of us. There are are going to be times when we, as followers of Jesus, because we are able to discern and distinguish between good and evil, as the scripture reminds us of, are going to need to, to go in the opposite way a prevailing culture. Just because our culture defines something as love or loving or as right does not mean it's loving in God's eyes or right in God's eyes. You know what I'm saying? So we are to grow in that capacity. Another verse, Philippians 1, verse 9, and this is my prayer, the apostle says, look at, I love this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Think about that. So God does, and I I want to add this, God does want us, here's another growth principle, God wants us to grow in our love for him, for ourselves, and for others. We talk about this as well in the three loves, as it was mentioned previously in uh, last week's teaching. But God does really does want us to grow in our love. You know, he wants us to grow in deeper love for him. Lord, help me. He wants us to have a better healthy love for ourselves, not a selfish love, but also a sober, uh, sound, settled love, seeing ourselves as one loved, and then, of course, loving others as Christ modeled for us. And another thing we are reminded of in Philippians 1.9 is that God wants us to grow in knowledge and depth of insight, that we would be increasing in wisdom so mentioned earlier that God wants us to be able to grow in our discernment capacity so we can tell the difference between good and evil and truth and untruth. It's, but this is really about, in my mind, the invitation to grow in wisdom and knowledge and knowing the right things and then knowing how to apply them in ways that are appropriate. So there's this, there's this sense of timing and understanding how to follow the leading of the Spirit. and. Uh, there's the ability to work our way through a problem that God wants to train us to do so, and then also to be a better at self-governing. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 
He said this in 1 Timothy 4.15, be diligent in these matters. Look at this. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So you see, once again, this idea of progress, but also what is brought in here is this idea of diligence. And if I may put it this way, God wants all of us to grow in diligence. That is to be a people who are not passive. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a time to be still and know that I am God. There doesn't mean that there isn't a time to, yeah, wander a bit, because not all who wander are lost, right? I get that. But there is also a time to put in the effort. Remember, disciple is a disciplined one. In the scriptures, oh, especially the book of Proverbs, there are numerous, and I mean numerous, warnings about the dangers of a lazy spirit. So although we are to be a people who understand silence and solitude and know how to pull back and, and have, to a certain degree, the Sabbath working in our lives, the Sabbath principle, there's also a time when we need to get to work and we need to, you know, get moving. And like I said, the book of Proverbs just gives us numerous warnings about the dangers of a lazy spirit and, the, and a number of reminders about the blessings of diligence. And here are just two quick examples. Proverbs 12, 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. <sighs> what we're talking about is our ability to get distracted, our ability to our tendency, our capacity, uh, our proclivity to getting caught up in the things that don't really matter as much, what is referred to here as worthless pursuits or neutral pursuits, or in some cases, damaging pursuits, <sighs> instead of focusing on the priorities, working our land, so to speak. Now that has a, both a, a natural application Right? But it also has a spiritual application. What is the land the Lord wants us to work? What are our priorities supposed to be? Where are we supposed to be throwing our heart into? What things that we're focused on are most important? What things are less important? Have we inverted that? Have we gotten our attention on the, th and, and are we giving way more attention to things that are not as important and neglecting the things that are most important? Remember what Jesus taught us, one thing is needful. You know, Mary has chosen that part. There is, a, there is something about having a growing and abiding relationship with the Lord because without him, we can do nothing that is, is absolutely essential. But it's also important that we do. Like we need to be a people of energy. I love both Mary and Martha in the scriptures because they model the two sides of righteousness. And just like there's two aspects of love, love God, love people. There's also this idea of sit with the Lord, but also um, work for his well-being well and, and behalf. Here's another proverb. I love this passage. I mean, I, there are so many. Uh, the Bible's full of references to reminding us about prioritization, diligence, being a person who is resisting a, a laziness in our lives. Look at this in Proverbs 24. I, I, I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. It was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. And then I saw and considered it. 
I looked and I received instruction. Ha <laughs> yes. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What an image. What an image. What a description, right? What, what a description. You know, just that, that he, he saw the neglect. He saw the lack of attentiveness, the stone wall broken down, the ground covered with thorns and weeds, not really being, over, you know, just overgrown. And he, he saw and perceived that the person was far less motivated to do the work that was needed and was more interested in taking the easy path, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man stealing um, what you could have had, what is yours. There's so much here. Uh, Proverbs, but is, Proverbs is not just a book of wisdom. It's a book of motivation. So I'll just mention another principle around growth here. God wants us to be committed to noticeable progress, not for vainglory, but for his glory and for the benefit of others. That's why we work the field, the spiritual field. Ah, yeah, Lord, come on. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, Apostle says, not that I've already ob obtained all this or, I, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, we would say brothers and sisters, brethren, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain toward, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So if we can put it this way, besides pursuing the Lord with a vigor and an intention, God wants us, here's, here's another thought, God wants us to learn from the past but not live in the past, to not be defined by our past, but to be refined by it. So let's make time to honor the past and anticipate the future, what is yet to come. I do think we need to strike a hopeful note, even if that hopeful note is just that I'm gonna be with Jesus someday and these pains are gonna come to a close. But we're gonna choose to walk by faith, by grace, not by feelings, focus on the good, walk lightly, Remember what Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, blessed are the unoffended, right? We walk lightly. How about this phrase? Walk lightly, shine brightly. Walk lightly, shine brightly. Look, I, I can't go back and redo a season of life once it has passed. And I'll tell you right now, there are a couple of seasons where I wish, I wish I could redo them. I can't. I can't do it. Can't go back. Doesn't work that way. Can't revisit it, literally, but I can from time to time in my mind's eye. I can go back. It's one. Of, by the way, that's one of the blessings of taking, you know, photos and kind of periodically looking back at things from days gone by. We are for a moment transported back in time, and sometimes those memories are sweet, and other times they make us melancholy as we ponder with joy and sadness. What, yeah, what can never be again. 
It's true. Some might say, why bother? You know, don't, e don't even think about the past. Don't, don't walk backwards. And I understand that. And, and they always say, well, life should be only lived looking forward. And isn't that what the Apostle Paul is saying? I don't think he's saying that we're not, we're not able to go back and, and, and remember things. I actually think that's a healthy thing. There is, I would submit, a unique blessing that comes from reflecting back on the beauty of previous seasons. And in fact, when the Lord talks about remembering his faithfulness, that is in some ways inviting us to look back on the times where God has been present in our lives and, and also learning from our mistakes as well. Um, we can leave behind the pain of things we wished had worked out differently and still live with grateful eyes, can't we? even when things have been less than we would have hoped or radically different than what we wanted. So it's okay to look back. Here, this is what I want to submit. It's okay to look back as long as we don't get stuck there. The, ha uh, <laughs> the past has much to offer, but it is the past. And we should never substitute the past for the present or the future. Of that, I also agree. That's where the Apostle Paul is exhorting us. Some people, you know, some people linger back as a way of escape. Others linger because they don't want to surrender the pain. I know that sounds tough, but it's true. Like sometimes we just got to let it go. In some, because sometimes just looking back at the past all the time, in some unhealthy way, we are clinging to life's unfairness when God is inviting us to, to just let it go with his grace and move ahead. So if I can put this out there, God wants us to contend for the prize, to press, to activate our faith and intentions and to put in the effort to cultivate a forward-leaning mindset. And then the Lord wants us to live as a healed people with a heavenly perspective. I like that. A healed people with a heavenly perspective. How we think of life to come does affect how you and I live in the present. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this in Mere Christianity. It's so good. He said, you've probably heard it said, some people are so heavenly minded they are of no earthly good. <laughs> it's the spirit of Oliver Wendell Holmes' infamous quote is easy enough to understand, Lewis writes. Christians should not be so singularly focused on the afterlife that they neglect the needs of their neighbors and the nations. So, you know, <laughs> however, C.S. Lewis argues it is precisely those who think about heaven deeply who were prepared to do the most in this world. Um, if you read history, or this is what Lewis literally writes. The other was a commentary about what he wrote. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set foot on the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. That is a wonderful statement, a reminder that you and I do need to be thinking about heaven because it tends to affect how we think about the present. How we perceive our future does impact how we live in the present. 
it affects the choices we make. And I do say, Lord, sometimes I just need to have a more heavenly perspective so that the choices I'm making here on earth will be better and more, more aligned with what you want. So practically speaking, and we'll leave it with these two things, we grow best, we'll just kind of tie a bow on it, when we are doing two things, when we are engaging God daily in light of where we're going, right? Just as Jesus reminded us, give us this day our daily bread. Like I, I need to check in daily <laughs> with the Lord. I need to check myself in daily because, man, it's so easy to drift. And when we drift, we don't drift into good things. When I drift, I drift into the unworthy or I miss my moments. Yeah. So engaging daily with a heavenly perspective, yes, and then activating a growth mindset. And that, what I mean by that is I'm talking about the way we set our rhythms and the way we recalibrate and think and pray through our seasonal growth plan. So those are all very important pieces there. We need to have a healthy rhythm in our life. We need to have times where we're doing the right things. And there are, there are going to be moments where we need to recalibrate because we've gotten out of alignment or, you know, we're just, we're just not hitting the right mark. We're, we're getting sloppy, uh, forgetful, and we need to recalibrate. We need to reset. And there are other times, you know, like the system just needs to get cleared out. And then there are times where the Lord wants us to really think and pray about a seasonal growth plan. Like, Lord, what is it, you know, that you want me to focus on in this season of my life? And uh, not just the big seasons of our lives, the big chunks, but also the micro seasons within the seasons, the larger seasons. Like the Lord has an assignment for us and he has a way for us to go. So, you know, what value is it? Some might say, you know, because, you know, what if I don't accomplish it in full? Did I fail? You know, it's like a lot of times people don't want to commit to any kind of growth plan because it feels like, well, I'm just going to. This happens a lot in the first month of the year. I'm just going to fail anyway. Some of us may have already had the experience of uh, not being to execute, execute fully on the good intentions that we had at the beginning of the year. So easy to fall into uh, poor habits or fall out of our good ones and we lose momentum. I understand that. And some might say, well, then why should I even bother? You know, it has a lot to do with like setting New Year resolutions. But then remember, I talked about recalibrating and and. Uh, there are just going to be times throughout the year that we're going to need to remind ourselves, reset, restart. But I would say this, you know, by aspiring to things, by having resolutions, we, we will be further along than if we did nothing. That I do believe. Remember, remember what the old Gretzky quote was, you know, we miss 100% of the shots that we never take. So let's go. Let's grow. Let's keep moving. Let's cultivate that growth mindset. Let's uh, walk lightly and shine brightly. Yeah. In Jesus' name. So we're going to share a song, a little bit of worship here, and then I'm going to come back around and close this out. Some sun and 
Walk lightly, shine brightly. Lord, help us to walk in wisdom. Yes, that's my prayer for all of us right now. To walk in wisdom. Yes, self-restraint, we need that. But also um, not carrying things that you didn't assign for us to carry. Not trying to hold on and clutch things that you don't want us holding onto and clutching. Not trying to define ourselves by something that you didn't say was important, right? and instead committing ourselves as much as possible to the growing life. But I love the idea of walking lightly, not, not assigning things into my life that God didn't assign, right? May the Lord help you to walk lightly and also to shine brightly, to grow in His love and His goodness, to let His light so shine through you you know, that men may see your good works and glorify God. People would be touched by the reality of the Lord at work in our lives, not because we're perfect, but because we are sincere and there is something of his light and love shining out. So may his blessing be yours this day, now and forever, in Jesus' name.